This time at the beginning of a set, can be used to reset the attitude of the mind. And generally, it's easy for us to realize that I do care about this life Noticing this authentic, natural, caring about this body, this mind, the activity of this life right here. And because there is this caring, this compassion, there's also a willingness to be close a willingness to be intimate, a willingness to receive, to feel what's here to feel. So in this way, we're not rushing into a meditation technique. Instead, we're grounding the work we do here on retreat in this very trustworthy emotion of compassion. There is this caring, this tender heartedness, knowing that it isn't easy being a human being And because it isn't easy being a human being, there is this willingness to be close, 
this wholesome desire to learn, to better understand. And in the being close, being open to how it is in the body and mind, realizing that awareness is already here, meeting, knowing experience. The heart is already sensitive to what's coming and going. So appreciating, recognizing and appreciating awareness, this capacity here in the mind to know So willingness to more clearly connect with the unfolding experience of the body. Notice how it feels right to be close, to know that the sensations of the sitting body are like this now. Sensations are being known. Trusting this unfolding of sensation Trusting that these sensations are being known. How stabilizing, how calming it is to make peace with the changing sensations of the body and the breath and the body. There's no need to go looking for the other experiences that come and go. When strong emotion or mental activity, reactivity arises, then it 
in moments this will naturally be known. Oh, this is happening now. This is just this emotion, this feeling, this mental activity being known. But it's okay to let the awareness rest (coughs) in the flow of sensation here in the body. And the breath moving in the body any calm that arises that is also noticed. Calm is like this. It feels like this. It's just this wholesome quality of calm being known. Expressing a real trust in this process of awareness. Being both alert and calm, clear and relaxed, right in the middle. Let there be an interest in the continuity of awareness and what interrupts the continuity of awareness.
In this way, we let our life be our teacher. The experiences that are coming and going. Whatever might appear to be a problem, see if it can be understood as something being known. And often then, you'll need to acknowledge it feels like this. It's just this feeling being known. So let's continue in silence for a while.
Let there be a willingness to begin again. Which can be as easy as acknowledging what's being known, what's the mind knowing. Remember the heart, the mind is already sensitive. It's already knowing. What is the mind knowing? Well, it's knowing this, it's like this. The activity of the mind, the activity of the body is being known. Appreciating that it feels like this. Not afraid to acknowledge the underlying feeling tone that's here. Whether it's neutral or pleasant or unpleasant. And remember this support for practice, for strengthening the stability of awareness, which is to notice the whole body. Sensations are being known. Whole body is being known. Breathing in, aware of the whole body. Breathing out, aware of the whole body. Just these sensations being known. And then when other objects of experience arise, then just acknowledge that this is being known. Now it's like this. No need to be frustrated by what are called distraction. Distractions are just objects of experience that are being known. And if there's some underlying 
charge or feeling tone and just acknowledge that that feeling, that charge, that emotion is also something being known, something being felt. It's just this. Learning how to be right in the middle in a clear and kind way, continuous way, and learning to begin again and again.
So we have a little time for questions about your practice, including your experience, your questions about walking meditation practice. Any questions? Yes, please. You've all talked in the last two days about the importance of emphasizing awareness over the object of awareness. And that lines up with a lot of what's written currently about the importance of awareness of awareness. So could you talk a little more, give us a little more guidance on how to cultivate awareness of awareness as opposed to awareness of the sense object? Yeah, so if you didn't hear the question, he's asking about awareness of awareness and um, how that is done. How are we aware of awareness without being locked in with the object? And of course, there's, there's no awareness of awareness without there being an object, right? Awareness is known in a sense or intuited because an object's being known. That's how we know that there's awareness. So a lot of that intuition or that resting in awareness is purifying the mind's relationship with the object. When we're obsessed with the object, when we're involved in liking or disliking the pain in the body or the thought in the mind or the sound in the room, when the mind is dependent on the object, then that's, that's, you know, the awareness in a way is entangled with the object. And there's less of an intuition of the sort of space of awareness and the equanimity and the clarity and the understanding that that allows. So a lot of this understanding, the awareness is the mind, the wisdom in the mind purifying its relationship with the object. It's just an object being known, right? You hear those instructions a lot. Or like I mentioned in the guided instructions this morning, to notice like when an object is being known, whether it's a mental object like a thought or a physical object like a sound or a sensation in the body, right? We say uh, it's just being known. And then to look and see if there's a feeling tone that is arising with that sound, with that sensation, with that thought. Maybe there's some charge, some attitude about it, and it feels like this. Well, that's a feeling being known. So the wisdom is understanding that the objects of experience, whether the object is the feeling that goes with a thought or the not liking that goes with a sensation, but it's just something being known. And it's the mind is realizing it doesn't need to be afraid of the objects. It doesn't need to be confused by the objects because there's, there are things that come and go and are being known. So by purifying the mind's relationship with the objects, it becomes, it just dawns on the mind that it's very simple. Something is being known, something is being known. And there's a very particular lightness and trustworthiness when this understanding gradually, you know, in moments arises in the mind. Sometimes people describe it as a sense of everything's happening on its own. That the um, continuity of the practice seems to be self-supporting of its own momentum, right? And so you might visit moments 
like this during the day, these times when the mind somehow intuits how simple awareness practice can be. And other times it feels like we're lifting weights where there's a magnetic draw toward some obsessive thinking and then the mind, the wisdom in the mind understands like this isn't going to help, right? And establishes some, okay, sitting is like this. Sitting is being known. Sensations of sitting are being known. And we start over. Thanks for the question. Yes, maybe the first row first. Yeah, so she's asking, or they're asking about this, um, is being known, that passive voice. And um, yeah, it's on purpose in a way to use that passive passive voice as you suggested, because that's the subjective experience that this thought is being known, this sensation is being known, this sound is being known. We're aligning like in any way that we might verbalize or use a phrase in the mind to support the continuity of awareness. We want it to align with our actual subjective experience. And if there's a real clear sense, I'm knowing this experience, then that self-centeredness of that I'm knowing this, then that can be looked at too. That's just another object that can be known, that sense of taking the experience personally or feeling that, that there's a real feeling sense that I own this experience or this is my experience, this is my thought or my attitude of mind or my pain in my hip. And then we can notice that self-possession or that possessive quality in the mind, whether we'd see that as an attachment or a clinging or a liking or not liking of it, right? So the underlying reality is an object is being known, but then if it feels more complicated or more personal than that, then in a way, the wisdom steps back and looks at that, that it does feel more personal than just something being known in a passive sense, right? And then we look at that, oh yeah, so there's somebody doing something here, there seems to be somebody doing, and that experience is being known. And that's the neat thing about wisdom. It has this, because it's not, wisdom isn't, grounded or set in any place. It isn't me doing it. It's also a natural activity of the mind. You could say an impersonal activity of the mind. So it's really nimble. It can always take a look from any point of view at whatever is showing up. And as wisdom develops, that nimbleness to immediately or very quickly recognize whatever has formed in the mind, like some sense that this is personal, or some sense that I'm doing this, or some sense that I'm upset about what's happening. Wisdom is that part of the mind, that natural part of the mind that has, it's not quite right to say it steps back, but it's easy to understand using those words. Wisdom steps back and understands, oh, 
Now this has arisen and is being known. This attitude or this taking it personally. And that's why we use the passive voice. It just supports that nimbleness of wisdom, the activity of wisdom in the mind. Yeah, thanks for the question. And you had a comment or question? Yeah. yeah, I think it makes sense. Thanks for your question. So they said that uh, uh, when there is some lightness and maybe the practice has some continuity, that something can come in, maybe an attachment or maybe an exuberance or maybe even sometimes when the practice is humming along a kind of complacency. Um, and so um, this person also mentioned that, well, can there be both wholesome and unwholesome at the same time? You sort of answered your own question because the mind is very quick. And they mentioned that, that the mind is really quick in how it can, like a pleasant quality, a wholesome quality, steadiness of awareness can be established and then there can be an indulging in that or an attachment to that or striving to make that get even better because it feels right, it feels good. So this happens all the time, you know, and in the same way that we react with habit energy when our practice is so-called not going well, we also react with habit energy when the practice is going well. Because habit energy, the conditioning we have, that's what has momentum. And so basically what has momentum is liking pleasant and disliking unpleasant. And so when our practice is going well, you know, what we call going well, meaning there's not a lot of reactivity, there is a continuity of awareness, both the mind and body are feeling uh, stabilizing, feeling more calm, there can be joy and a sense of buoyancy or lightness that arises, then that's pleasant. That's a pleasant experience. And to some degree, the mind feels 
lifted out of what is normally a heaviness, you know, and how the mind normally operates. And so the strong habit energy to like what's pleasant is going to get triggered. And it will either express, as you mentioned, as a kind of striving or I don't have to practice because things are going well, kind of complacency, just no longer being interested and objects being known. So we need to be on the lookout. And uh, one of the real advantages in a, a retreat like this is that we see moments when the practice comes into balance and then we see that it, it dissolves. Right? It's not like it comes in the balance and then this is what we sometimes think. I'm set. I got it. This is it. <laughs> until it isn't. Until it <laughs> dissolves and uh, more ordinary, reactive qualities of mind take over again. But it's, what's important in those moments is not to believe the thought that I blew it or I made a mistake, but just that the coming together of the practice and coming into balance of the practice, that was a natural and lawful event or process. And the falling apart of our practice, the falling apart of the steadiness and the continuity, that also was a lawful thing. Both had causes. And what wisdom, like I mentioned, I think last night, wisdom is interested in those causes, like how this came together, how the practice settled down. Oh, there was this tone of compassion and then things settled down instead of striving or judgment, right? There was some excitement that wasn't noticed and the excitement triggered grasping or holding. And then, you know, one thing led to another and the mind was discombobulated again. Thanks for that question. I have a couple announcements. I think we need to go to announcements now. Um, And uh, maybe I'll just start. Uh, Probably you've noticed we'll have small groups meeting today and tomorrow. And just generally we divided the people who are going to meet today with, uh, for those who have been on one or two or fewer retreats, no retreats. And then those who are going to meet in small groups tomorrow, people who have done more than a couple retreats. And uh, so make sure to check the bulletin board to see when your small group is meeting. This is a good time to ask questions, to share a little bit about what's been happening in your practice. Um, And then the last three days of the retreat, we'll schedule one-on-one interviews and everybody will have one one one-to-one interview with uh, either Deborah or Kamala or me. And then as I think somebody mentioned earlier, Tara will be putting up today a schedule for six one-on-one meetings. So if you're not scheduled for um, a small group today, but really think it would be useful to meet with a teacher, then uh, check the bulletin board if it's not already up a little bit later, and there will be the sign-ups for Tara's um, meeting with Tara, and that I think is scheduled for the evening time, late afternoon or evening, is that right? And so you can uh, look for that. And then another important announcement, we're going to change the time for the mindful movement, the Qigong practice, from 1.30 until th- it's going to be at 3 instead of at 1.30. Um, we didn't realize it conflicted with some of you who have 
your yogi jobs and uh, after lunchtime. So we'll do that at three o'clock, right before the guided loving kindness from a Vahara practice at 3.45. So from three to about 3.35, we'll do Qigong right below in the lower walking room. And just a reminder, people have been really good about this, but just uh, in case you're confused, we really like people to come to this meeting. Looks like everybody's here this morning, 8.15 to 9.15 period. It's the one time we really want the whole group to be together to build community. Um, And then also encourage you to come to the Brahma Vihara, the Metta, loving kindness practice in the afternoon at 3.45 and the Dharma talks. Um, But especially for people who are well-practiced, have done a number of retreats, the rest of the day, you can more and more use your intuition as you settle into the retreat, how you use the schedule. During the um, sitting periods, we will now, starting today, have practice leaders. Thank you for those of you who signed up. So you'll see one of your fellow yogis coming up front for each of the sits to ring the bell. So you know somebody's going to ring the bell. You can relax. And so all of us up here, we wish you a good day of practice. May you be happy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.